Podcast. This is your host, Dan Dowdy. And today, I have an amazing guest on. I have the founder of Lemon Seed Marketing. Um, she's also in a third generation uh, HVAC and plumbing business. But I have Crystal Williams here. Crystal, Crystal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. You're very welcome. Yeah, so today we're going to talk a little bit about, about marketing, but we're really going to dive into just being a part of a third generation business, being a woman in the trades, and uh, just kind of telling your journey to how you've gotten to where you're at today. Uh, you and I met, uh, what, a few months back at, at Service World, and uh, we really kind of like seeing what y'all do do there at Lemon Seed and seeing what we do here at Bill for the Trades. There's a lot of synergy going on there. So Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, kind of got my start. I was, you know, we're kind of visiting before that, you know, like uh, I absolutely love the home industry, home service industry. Um, so many like I get excited to help people build wealth and legacy for their families. And there's so many great owners and operators and manufacturers and distribute and distributors that are all these healthy family-run companies that they've been able to pass down to generation after generation. And I just love to be a part of that. That's really cool. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, really leadership development is all about just helping people be better than they were the day before, realizing that it's a long journey and uh, there's no destination. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, about lemon seed first and foremost, because that's, that's where I first met you. And then I had the, had the opportunity to go out and, and see your operation and see McWilliams and Sons and uh, was really impressed. So uh, just yep. kind of tell the audience a little bit more about Lemon Seed Marketing and what y'all do there. Sure. So a quick little story, because I always think it does better when I can give a story to it. But okay. in 2014, so I grew up, I'm a trade baby, right? Like I grew up in it. It's like my hashtag trade baby. Uh, my grandfather started our business in the late, well, 1974 when he had retired from the Navy. And then my dad took over. Then my brother took over. Um, and so I'd always worked in there from the days of running radios and handwriting invoices and things like that to um, till I graduated college. And then I went to work on my own because I decided I was not going to do heating and air conditioning my whole life. <laughs> so I got my degree in marketing and went to work for a local bottling company here in East Texas, yeah. uh, Coca-Cola, and loved it, enjoyed them, worked for a family company there. My brother calls me in 2014 and he says, hey, I'm getting ready to acquire a company just north of us. And I've decided that for me to be the best leader operationally, I've got to get some things off of my plate. Um, mm. my, my dad was still trying to like semi-retire. Um so he was still heavily involved. My dad is a marketing guru. Uh, so I love learning from him. Um, but he had kind of invested in marketing. And so my brother said, Crystal, I need you to come in and take over that. We need to really get intentionally involved in our community by giving back. And we need to figure out how we can retain and keep talent here in East Texas. So I need you to come and take a do that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, do I want to work for my brother and my little brother? Like, I'm actually the oldest child. And then there, we have a sister that works yeah. with me actually here at Lemon Seed and then my brother. And, uh, but I was like, you know what I do? Cause my family gets along. We don't really have issues. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And I felt like it was a good move for me. Yeah. Um, cause it really let me get into the marketing trade. So I, I came to work for McWilliams son 2014. We started really rocking and rolling. I mean, we hit the ground running aggressive on marketing. We were running 10 and 12% of what we wanted to 
marketing spend based off our total revenue projections for the year. Um, we started putting leadership in place. We got very intentional in our community. We went private label equipment uh, with Goodman after we had been a, another manufacturer for over 40 years. Mm. We just really put a lot of intentionality and focus on it. Well, it just kind of got picked up. Like people in some different best practice groups were like, Crystal, what are you doing? Like, how are y'all growing this company in little old East Texas like this? So I started helping other people organize their marketing. And, uh, I would just kind of look at where they were spending money, how they were spending it. What did their brand look like? And I would help them make a plan. So mm -hmm. it naturally evolved into a business. So in 2018, my brother says, hey, why don't we make a run at this? I mean, you took a you know a leap of faith and came to work for me when I didn't exactly know. But why don't I kind of get behind you? You still do McWilliams and Son, but I'll give you some help and you can kind of do it for other contractors because yeah. uh, we know it was a need. So we literally launched basically Lemon Seed, which is a virtual marketing department for heating and air conditioning contractors. Um, started in 2018, um, really got rocking and rolling about the middle of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and here we are in 2023, and I have about 75 clients and 30 employees, and we are doing wow. uh, lots of marketing, social media, branding email marketing, all the fun things for heating and air conditioning, plumbing, electrical contractors. Um, we had our third conference this year. That's where you uh, you were thankful. I was thankful that you came and spoke. Everyone loved it. Um, but Lemon Seed was built out of a need, right? So yeah, I think yeah. some of the best companies and ideas come from when there's a pain point. Mm -hmm. And right now, I feel like people that are listening, contractors that are listening, owners that are listening, you know, Marketing is one thing that's on a lot of people's plate that they wish it wasn't. <laughs> that is very true. That's very um, or, true. or they wish they could just kind of get it, feel more secure and more organized. And so that's what Lemon Seed is built for. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. When I went out and, and, and uh, was spoke at your conference, I thought Lampasas was small, which is where I'm located. And then I went to Burke, Texas, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure the sign said like 698 people or something like that. I was yeah. like, yes. oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I can't wait to hear like how McWilliams and Son got so big in, in such a small town. And uh, but before we get there, I really want to kind of stay with Lemon Seed for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you are right. I mean, as you grow a trades business, typically you're good at the trades. Um, you're good at going out, going out there and serving the cu the customer. But the marketing is always a pain point. You know, do you trust your marketing company? Do you not? you know, what, you know, what should, what should, should you, what should you do for your market? I can't, I can't talk today and I'm, I'm hosting the podcast. Yeah. Um, so before we switch away from lemon seed and talk more about, the, about your story, um, any like uh, key points for trades business owners listening out there that, you know, that are kind of at that point where they're frustrated with their marketing, they're not seeing the results. Like what's maybe what the first one or two steps that, that y'all encourage uh, businesses to do whenever they're in that place. Sure. So most of the time when people are reaching out to Lemon Seed, they're at a, some sort of frustration level. Either they're tired of doing it, they're tired of a vendor, something's going on. We have what we think. Well, I have what I think, in my professional opinion, from what I've seen. Market, there is no silver bullet. So I know everybody says that. But if if I had to choose a silver bullet, my answer is going to be consistency. Hmm. So we don't have to necessarily be doing all the latest and greatest and newest things that are out there. We don't have to go all digital or all cert, you know, all branding or whatever. 
it's really about having a healthy approach that you're willing to be consistent and devoted to. So if we're going to, you know, we need to get aggressive with our spins. So we got to stop being tightwads. Uh, We also (laughs) need to be intentional with our marketing and we need to be consistent and we need to be patient. So honestly, like I could show you multiple different opportunities where um, companies come to us and their strategy is drastically different than somebody an hour away from them. Um, So that's why there is no magic number, magic way to do marketing. It's more about being very consistent and organized. So, but I do tell people digital is where it's at right now. You need to have a solid digital background. And listen, there are literally hundreds of agencies that are good people, good companies. I refuse to believe that there's all these master manipulators out there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So honestly, don't get caught up in the social rigmarole of the who's who of digital companies. There are a ton of them that do really great work. It's more about a good partnership. It's more Mm. about good communication. So you invest with them and you get going with them and you speak, but you make your weekly meetings or monthly meetings. You tell them what's performing. You give true trackability. So hopefully you're on a CRM that allows you to put tracking numbers or you figured out a way that you don't just go off of your gut. You've got real tracking, real visibility into performance. And, um, but digitally, a good website where you're optimizing all of the cities that you want to show up in. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the paid strategy is there Google local service ads or PPC or geofencing. The list is endless, endless, but you need to know that digital is where it's at. I mean, you're talking to a girl that I spent $30,000 in phone books last year and it generated like $300,000 in revenue out of a phone oh, book, wow. like an old school phone book that my 16 year old doesn't even know what a phone book is. <laughs> um, but it's, they're still generating here. Is that the case in Indianapolis? Probably not. Yeah, right? knows, yeah. Probably not. So that's why I tell you like, get it out of your head that you need to be following somebody else's marketing strategy and you need to bring it all together for what works best for you. That's good. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much wisdom in there, Crystal. I mean, when I start working with, with, with my clients, it's, that's usually the first thing I see when I see a PL is 1% marketing spend. Okay. All right. So let's do something about that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's really, you know, especially multiple gen- or multi-generational trades businesses, they're usually in a community and they're, they're really rooted in, the, in, in that community. And so they've been successful to date doing that, but they all want to grow and they all want to grow at different levels. And so I really like that whole idea of be strategic, be confident, be consistent, but also don't be a tightwad. Start to spend some money on that. And I think that having a partner like Lemon Seed of, you know, with the experience that y'all bring working with companies all over the nation, that helps breed confidence. So if I'm a trades business owner and I I don't have you to partner with, then I'm just kind of like, I have some ideas, but I try it, then I don't try it, then I try this, and I don't try that. And there's never really any any time for that momentum to build uh, oh, in the market. Yes. Yes. And you know, I, I think about this a lot. Contractors, most of the time, you're trying to be fiscally responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have we have unrealistic expectations. So marketing cannot be the only way that your business grows either. 
So a lot of people are like, well, I want to double in size, so I'm going to spend X amount. So my first question to them is always like, okay, do you have enough capacity for that and equipment for that and trucks for that and CSRs for that call volume? Like there's more to it than just quote unquote, make my phone ring. So I always try to really give a holistic approach to this. Like, let me understand where you're at, but honestly, lemon seed's not perfect. Um, you know, of course, and, and we're not meant for everyone, but really what the best people that we vibe with, if I had to use a little fun word there, mm-hmm. um, the best people that we really hit a good synergy with are contractors that are ready to set up some marketing things and go with it, not micromanage every single $50. It, it's true with client, just like it's true with, with contractors and their customers. That customer that didn't even want to pay the $80 dispatch fee will be the biggest headache. And then you'll go install a $15,000 new system and the client, you'll you know, will cause no problems. A lot of times when we get so down in the weeds about every single dollar that we're spending um, and the immediate trackable ROI, we really lose sight of what true marketing is all about. True marketing is a marathon strategy. Mm-hmm. We want to be in front of our ideal target market very consistently, very intentionally with a very direct call to action. <clears throat> and so it takes, it takes a little, it takes strategy. Um, but no, you're right. I, I see a lot of times where we're just scared to spend the money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, and, not, we're not scared of a lot of other things, but that we're scared of. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's usually the first thing that's cut when things get tight is the marketing oh, budget. So, no, Hey, my marketing's not working. I don't have enough <laughs> call volume, so I'm going to cut my marketing dollars. Yeah. When, <laughs> yeah. And then usually it's, hey, let's check in with your team and make sure they're performing well and, and they find opportunity to improve there. So yeah. Um, it, it, we could go on and on about that, but before we okay. shift out of marketing and start talking more about your story, uh, you do have a great podcast. And so you want to tell the audience a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So my podcast is called from the yellow chair. Uh, my partner here at lemon seed, Emily and I, Emily is a full-time graphic designer. She is amazing. She is wonderful, has a very good, uh, vision for what, the brand of companies needs to look like, should look like, and all the um, additional brand pieces, the extension of the brand. She's Mm -hmm. phenomenal. And so as we've worked together, she and I do a fun, kitschy podcast um, every week. Uh, We're about to take a little bit of a break, but um, every week we get on there uh, from the yellow chair and we just, we interview people like Dan, we talk to each other, but it's all about marketing inside of the trades um, and some operational pieces because they go hand in hand, right? So if I can get contractors to be better operationally and Lemonsey does our part to help you be better on marketing, then that's the recipe for success is when those two are married. So that's what our podcast is all about. Um, We are two women in the trades and we love it and we push hard. Um, But I would love for you guys to listen to our podcast and give us a review. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's leadership growth, right? You want to dive in and you want to learn more and and just hearing a little snippet now uh, will keep you from growing in the future. So diving in and listening to more, getting more wisdom from y'all would be great. Um, so let's let's go back to McWilliams and Sons. And, and, you know, I come from a second generation plumbing company, so I know what I know what it is like to work with family. My brother's a plumber. My sister's involved. My parents are involved. So um, I have my own stories and uh, and it's pretty it's, a, it's actually a pretty amazing thing. So 
Uh, going back to your story and and being third generation in the HVAC business, was it HVAC back in those days when you got in there only, yeah, we or was it plumbing only, as well? We were only HVAC up until two years ago. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, we added plumbing about two years ago. We acquired a plumbing company um, in what we call our South Market. So McWilliams and Son has four locations. Okay. Uh, basically, you can kind of think of them as satellite offices. So we are in rural East Texas where windshield time has to be factored in to every call. Um, and I hear contractors that are like, oh, we run within a, you know, a 10 mile radius of our shop. <laughs> I'm like, 13 people live within 10 miles of our shop. Uh, so it's just a different strategy. Again, different people. But yeah, yeah my grandfather um, started the company actually in little bitty Dyball, Texas, um, right outside of Lufkin, um, near Burke. <laughs> there were our yeah. office now. And my grandmother started a craft store. And before Hobby Lobby, she was Hobby Lobby before Hobby Lobby was cool. Um, and she taught painting classes and he uh, did refrigeration. Um, and uh, air conditioning repair, which he had done in the Navy, just started there. And then the company just grew naturally. Like, you know, back in the day when you could sit down with a customer and my grandpa drank black coffee. So he would sit down, have a cup of coffee with everybody. They loved him. His nickname was Mac. Um, our mascot is actually Sailor Mac. That is our mascot for McWilliams and Son. Um, again, all built and steeped in the tradition of where we came from with my grandfather. He passed away in 2014, um, relatively suddenly got sick and then pretty quick passed away. And so we really wanted to bring some, bring some life to our story. Um, and so Sailor Mac came about and then my brother, he can't quit. So, uh, <laughs> one thing that, you know, when I, earlier and I kind of made note of this, like you can't just continue to grow in markets where you've saturated the market the best you can. So eventually it starts where you either have to offer new services or you have to start making acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So in true Trey McWilliams fashion, uh, we do both. So we, uh, we acquired a plumbing company, acquired another HVAC company and started um, offering plumbing in all markets. We launched our own academy. So yeah. we have our own training academy in our office location with a full working lab for both plumbing and HVAC because we need to train our own people. And so that's what we do. Um, we are very intentional with employee engagement, okay. um, employee engagement and retention. Um, we don't really have a ton of access to all these experienced technicians, but I know kind of like you are well aware, mm -hmm. uh, trained technicians aren't always the answer. We can run into a few hiccups with technicians that have been trained by someone that maybe wasn't quite our level of expectations. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to teach an old dog new tricks. Not that you can't, but uh, so we decided we wanted to hire green and hire for um, attitude, not aptitude. Uh, we can teach people how to work on AC, heaters, refer you know, all of that but we can't teach them to be good people with a good personality. So there we go. That's, I mean, man. Yeah. We, we have about 150 employees now. Um, main satellite office is lo locally located in Lufkin. So we have a call center that's there that answers for all of our locations, okay. uh, but each location has its own dispatcher and its own community marketing position, which is a different, a lot of people aren't used to that and, uh, and it's own GM. And that's how we roll. And um, it's hmm. been interesting. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. So whenever you came on, you said in 2014, um, and you started marketing full-time for the business, um, you know, kind of take us through what it looked like at that point. You said, so Trey was running it. Was your dad still involved in the business as yeah, well? So Trey was basically like the sales guy and serve, like think of him like at the time. So my dad was really serving in the role of like GM uh, still over the finances and things like that. My brother was yeah. what I would consider the service manager, sales manager. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, my brother's really done it all. He started as a kid, you know, carrying tool bags um, yeah. to a technician, to a sales guy to, you know, now he's, running the whole thing but um so when I came on I shared an office with my dad he stuck a table in there and said just sit and listen but I will I will remember this we had joined Service Nation Alliance which is a best practice group Mm -hmm. and we had really gotten my dad had really taken on to their coaching uh he had joined their AB group he was listening to all of their you know advice and learning from being surrounded by other successful contractors, um, he decided to start marketing very aggressively. And so he told me, he said, I remember when I saw that our, we were trying to hit $3 million and our budget came in to spend on marketing to, you know, $280,000. And he said, I remember thinking like, there ain't no way we're going to be able to do this. <laughs> like there is no way. But he told himself, he's like, if I don't ever start marketing with intentionality, I'll never get anywhere. And my brother will tell you, he said, I told dad, you're crazy. Like, how are we ever, like, how are we ever going to do this? Like during January and February, we're struggling to make payroll, you know, and we were at $4 million, three, you know, $3 million. And we had grown year over year. Yeah. But I tell contractors this all the time. What got you here will not continue to get you there. Mm. And it was one of those times that we had worked really hard. My dad and my brother specifically, they had worked really hard to get where they were, but it became those the life cycle that a lot of contractors go through. Now they were kind of held hostage by a few people, right? That threatened to leave if they didn't get this or that. Everybody mm-hmm. was complaining about on-call schedules and you know, you don't have a good software and people are wanting to bill and you're trying to do commercial and the payout's 90 days. I mean, you know, trying to control cash flow, all of that was becoming thicker and thicker, you know, heavier and heavier. And so my dad said the only way I knew to get through it was to invest in a way to get through it, which was through marketing. Hmm. Um, so once we started with the marketing, which you know, some of the first things that we did, we were doing things before they were cool. So I do have to give my dad some credit. We wrapped vehicles yeah. um, back early 2000s and when okay. people didn't even know how to do it. Like they just wanted to stick stickers on vans, you know. Um, we had a pretty nice website. We've had the same domain name now for, gosh, 20 years, probably easy. And um, we've just, always tried to be on this side of technology, right? So always kind of at least paying attention to what was happening. We create, you know, we went with, uh, at the time, Carrier had the Texas Tough programs. Yeah. So we had, you know, which was the new, what was the old school version of a maintenance plan? And so my dad was just, he was just an early adopter of a lot of those philosophies behind reoccurring revenue and keeping yourself busy um, in the, in the slow season and things like that. So we just took off with branding. So radio campaigns, a radio jingle. Um, when we interview people, sometimes we ask them to sing our jingle because everybody knows it. So we <laughs> really work hard for that. And then, um, you know, 
We got very intentional. One of our best partners, even at Lemon Seed, is Stochastic Marketing, which is a direct mail marketing piece. Um, people were like, oh, it's just so boring. Like, that's why it works. Um, <laughs> it's not overly designed. It's It looks like something that's reminding you to get your car warranty done, you know? Exactly. Um, it works for us. So we just really bit off a lot there. But on the operational side, Dan, I think what the difference was is and I see contractors struggle with this and you probably do too. Yeah. When is that sweet spot of to add mid-level management? Hmm. When is the owner still serving it as the main guy in the business? Yeah. So once my brother got to that point, and I think Trey took us to probably seven or eight million dollars before he first of all, I feel like we went from three million to twenty million in short amount of time so i'm trying to remember back to the days when we had 10 million dollar goals um but about that time we really started to make i call them i tell trial time we started making money moves mm -hmm. right we started bringing in that extra layer but it's hard to go man do i really need a gm like why can't i be the gm you know well Trey started realizing that he needed to really work on the business. He needed to be forecasting and projecting and looking out for any obstacles that we were going to see. So, I mean, he was all in the middle of our equipment pricing and our parts pricing. And he was all in the middle of new trucks and a schedule for, you know, how are we going to get people? What do we, how many technicians do we need coming soon? How are we going to train them? Well, he can't do that when he's the one everybody's calling all day long for technical support. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that was a very pivotal moment that when we invested in marketing and when we got that second level of intermediate leadership in there, um, it really started freeing up time to focus on the strategy of the business than it was the day-to-day -day of the business. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself, Crystal. That's really spot on. And uh, even from the coaching standpoint, just getting people to spend 90 minutes a week on their business is a starting point, right? So going from where y'all were to where you're at today, it took a lot of discipline and realizing that, hey, this works and I'm going to keep moving forward in that. Because listening to the story, I mean, building relationships, uh, leaning into a best practice organizations that you knew already had tried and true tested material that you could take and apply to your business, but not being scared to invest in that and to learn and be coached and, and to grow your business. So I want to go back a little bit to when you came in and y'all were $3 million and it was you and your brother and your dad. I think that's a very relatable start for any uh, multi-generational business. That's where a lot of people listening probably are currently today. Um, so kind of take us back there and let's talk about internal communication as a family and a business. What did that look like? And then what, you know, kind of take us through maybe some of the pain points that you experienced and then some of the, you know, the, the, the things that worked better when it came down to family communication in a business. No, that's a great question. Um, I feel very blessed with what I'm about to say. Um, so we're a, a strong Christian family. So we're very rooted in who we are as, as people. And, you know, my dad is the dad. He's the father of our family and we follow our father. Um, my brother, um, and I have a very good working relationship. I think the key to our success was a mutual respect for one another's opinion. But at the end of the day, somebody has to be the decision maker. Somebody had to be the one that had the final say. 
Um, and honestly, my dad pretty much left that up to me and my brother. He would come in and, and you know, break a tie or, you know, something. But for the most part, my family, we kind of humbled ourselves before each other yeah. in the sense of if my brother, we always tried to lead with kindness and respect. My dad nor my brother, side note, have any patience, right? <laughs> patience of a gnat. And so they don't have a lot of, a lot of patience. And so I tried, I identified that. And so I tried to fill in that spot. So how can I bring patience to the table? How can I also work on their pace? They're fast. Uh, they want everything to happen yesterday. Um, and I was always trying to be a little bit of the voice of reason of let's, you know, let's think this out. And they'll tell you that I was the one that wanted to spend all the money, um, Cause I was like, Hey, let's do a mascot and let's sponsor this and let's do that. So, um, so we, we had some natural, you know, ribbing of one another, but for the most part, it was just having a mutual respect. And we knew like, in my opinion, you can ask anyone what Trey said was what we did, but he listened to me. Not all the time did he take my advice, uh, mm -hmm. but he listened to me. And now that I'm in his shoes with lemon seed, he'll give me advice that I don't always take because he doesn't work inside of Lemon Seed every single day, and I do, but I need to have outside influence. And so I, on the flip side of that at McWilliams, I wasn't working in the operations every day. He said this to me one time. I, was, I said, I don't understand why bef this was before the days of podium, but he yeah. said, I don't I said, I, I just need our technicians to ask for a review. How hard is it, Trey? Like, why can we not say ask for a review? And he goes, number one, the I understand the importance of reviews, but he said, Crystal, do you understand what we are telling a technician to do inside of every single home? And I had to say no, because I've never been a technician. So I had mm. to stop and listen and really, really um, put it into perspective. He's like, we're telling them where to park. We're telling them how to knock. We're telling them what to say. We're telling them, like, make sure you present the maintenance program. Make sure you provide all the options to repair and replace. Are you showing them finance options? Are you telling them thank you? Are you shaking their hand? Are you leaving the leave behind? He goes, and now I cannot blow them up over these little pieces. So instead, he and I collaborated. And I just, well, you have to be open-minded. And a lot of us, and I deal with this for a lot of my clients, they're normally as one of the family members that is very fickle. That'll never work. That'll never work. We've tried it. We've done it. It didn't work. Right. Or mm -hmm. I don't know why y'all trying to change things there. You know, we're doing good. There's always that person. We didn't really have that obstacle um, because like I said, we kind of all are have a similar temperament. Um, ours was more like, who's the boss, you know, cause all three of us are pretty authoritative, um, but we just collectively, and I share this with my team all the time, I decided that I was going to follow Trey's lead. So I was going to give the advice. I was going to give my opinion. I was going to give um, every, I was going to remove the emotion out of it and just use numbers and use facts and use uh, recommendations and things like that to prove yeah. my point before I just got emotionally driven with it. And so mm -hmm. that really worked well for us. Um, but my dad and my brother will go toe to toe sometimes. It'll be, it'll be real awkward in there for anybody that's not family. And I just sit back and sip on my drink, but uh, <laughs> I work it out. But um, I think that mutual respect piece is, is very important. So uh, 
at that time we started having weekly leadership meetings that we were all a part of um okay. our brother led um and then you know we would bring in so i represented the marketing department we had a guy representing the sales department and we had at the time we only had one or two csrs and now we have 11 so or nine or somewhere somewhere between nine and 11 yeah. who knows how many today um yeah. but um just those weekly touch points really started getting us in our groove where we were evaluating, you know, where we were financially, what we needed to be doing. Hmm. And it finally put us ahead. We were being proactive and not reactive. I think many of us that are a small company with family ties, we're Mm -hmm. number one, we're probably a little discombobulated together. We've probably got some family issues that we need to streamline and some, some things to be understood. And then we're also very reactive. Um, It's awkward too. Like, it's awkward to all of a sudden, I mean, you're having Sunday dinner after church and then y'all come to the office on Monday. Um, my encouragement though is identify who the boss is. Okay. So that we can follow a lead, right? Yeah. And, and were, were y'all able to separate um, home life and work life or was it kind of commingled all the time where y'all were talking about work all, all the time? No. So, um, one good thing. So I'm pretty independent. So I'm pretty good about, I would go home. And at the time we both had young families. So mm-hmm. I have two boys. My brother had a, two daughters and a son. Um, neither one of our spouses work in the business. And so it kind of allowed us to separate. Um, but yeah, no, we really didn't talk much about work as much as we could because, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, every once in a while you would bring stuff up, but we really just, we were tired of talking about work. <laughs> um, so only if something really crazy happened. But when I was growing up, though, like I remember my dad worked nights and weekends and on call and all that. And I remember my mom used to say, like, you know, how was your day? And one day, I think I was, I don't know, like 10 or 11 years old. And my mom was like, you only, um, somehow she was trying to explain to me, which I, this has kind of stayed with me, that that you let people talk about things that at their time when they want to talk about things, whether that is what they're stressed about, what they're hurt about, you know, you kind of let them have their own pace. And because mm-hmm. I don't remember my dad talking much about work, mm-hmm. uh, even even as a little kid. And so that's just kind of gone over um, in, into my life, too. My husband always is like, tell me about lemon seed. And I have to like kind of force myself because I've taught myself not all, I mean, as a female to turn as the as the caregiver i should say of my home um i kind of have to switch my brain i only have a four minute drive home from work but i have to switch my brain because i'm going from running these 30 people at lemon seed to running my two little boys that are 16 and 13 at home and Mm -hmm. being a wife and i have to switch my brain so i really when my husband wants to know about my, my day i always have to think like okay let me let me rewind about what my day looked like. And I think that's pretty much the same thing that my brother and my dad did. Um, trying to use home as a refuge and not as another office. Mm, that's good. Yeah. I mean, one thing to think about uh, thinking back to my career and being multi multi-generational and um, my wife didn't work in the business, but every time we had to get together, we would kind of talk about the business. And what I didn't realize is that was actually alien alienating her and any other family members who weren't involved in the business, you know, out of that conversation. So it really wasn't fair. So for people listening who are multi-generational families, 
I really encourage um, separating that work and home life and realizing that not everybody wants to talk about work all the time. There's still that, that, that family balance there. So a couple more questions as we start to wrap this up and, and, you know, people listening, they're probably like, you know, like, I can't believe they went from three to 20 million. I mean, really in a short amount of time, and I'm sure there's so much more there, but um, you know, having a clear leader in place, being proactive, I'm sure you all set goals and had a vision of where you wanted to go and are very intentional about that. Um, but let's talk about like one of the biggest mistakes that maybe you've made during your career to date and something that really taught you a lesson that would help the audience listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little too trusting. Okay. So I can speak on the marketing side. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the lessons I learned is while vendors are great partners, I can't trust everything. So I needed to be a lot more intentional with my tracking. So that also bleeds over into the McWilliams and Sun operational side. So if I know that our average ticket needed to be $11,000 on replacement, mm-hmm. then I needed to actually inspect if that's what was happening. And then when it wasn't happening, not panicking, but refocusing and reinvigorating it to get back to, to where I needed it to be. Um, so same thing, you know, I was very trusting that vendors were telling me the truth and giving me good measurements. Yeah. But then when we went live with Service Titan and I started having true tracking numbers and things like that, um, I was like, whoa, like, I thought this was really beneficial or like right now, if you ask anybody, they're gonna be like, y'all are in a phone book, but because I track <laughs> it now, I feel comfortable about that, you know? Yeah. And I think that I just kind of learned, it's not that you can't trust people. I refuse to live in a world where I can't trust people, um, but, or give the benefit of the doubt, but that doesn't mean that I have to fly blind. Right. And not inspect what I expect to happen. And so I just, mm. I've learned to set those KPIs for both McWilliams and Lemon Seed. You know, if my average ticket on maintenance customers needs to be $180 because that's what's realistic, but a push, then I need to go inspect and see what's happening. Why am I not hitting it? Or did I shoot myself in the foot and it really needs to be 225? You know, where where are we? Um, and so I learned not to be so trusting, to be a lot more literal with the performance. Um I mean, even branding things, like even when you launch billboard campaigns or radio jingles or TV, if you're not even, I mean, I know there's no direct measurable ROI off of a billboard because no one's driving by and trying to memorize a phone number off of a billboard, right? But if nobody, if you never hear any feedback, like nobody ever says, I love your commercial, I love your jingle, I love your billboards, and you don't hear any sort of buzz or your organic search volume is not going up year over year, mm-hmm. then that's probably a sign that you need to either ramp up your marketing or restructure where, where you're using your branding play. So I think that's probably my best one. Um, that, and then one more. <clears throat> Hire slow and fire fast was another one. Mm. Uh, I was about 18 years old and I was getting ready to move off and, my dad had fired, had to fire this technician, and he was outside throwing things out of his truck, cussing my dad up one side and down the other, telling him how sorry he was and all these things. And I was traumatized by that. I was like, oh, my goodness. Again, wow. I'm precious. Right. My husband tells me all the time, you're precious. You grew up in a precious world. But I just <laughs> was 
I was like shocked that this was happening because I knew what my dad had done for this technician. Like I knew what all the extra things, all the times he had been given money and advances and all of that and, and time and coaching and mentoring. And Mm -hmm. then when my dad finally had to put his foot down. So I was talking to my dad years later and he said, well, that I really deserve that. And I was like, what? Never. No one deserves. And he goes, maybe I didn't deserve to be talked that way. But I deserved that reaction because I took too long to make a decision. Hmm. And I think we get held captive by our own people. And it it ends up where the prisoners run the prison. And you just have to maintain leadership and maintain control in a respectful way. Because at the end of the day, your team, you you are just the vehicle for them to hit personal goals. You just hope and pray and love on them in my Texas terms, love on them enough that they respect you to take care of your brand when they're representing it. But truly when the rubber meets, when the, when it all actuality, you are just the way for them to provide for their families and hit their personal goals. So sometimes it's just not a good fit. And I mean, I battle with it every day because my, I'm very empathetic. I want to give people time and time and time and time and time again until I look up and I'm like, now it's been detrimental onto more than just me. Now it's detrimental to my whole team. So I just encourage you to be, be ready and prepared, be kind, but candid when you are dealing with your employees, because you're not doing them any favors either. If they're underperforming and not a good fit, they're probably miserable, just as miserable as you are. So Mm -hmm. I just encourage you on that. Yeah, that's good. That trust, going back to that trust, but verify um, with the marketing company. It's, you know, a lot of times whenever we're um, going through life, we're trying to, I, I, I say, I, I think we're leaning too much into leadership, which is very like emotionally driven influence. And we're not leaning too uh, enough into managing things, which is very literal or, or writing things down and, and really comparing numbers and really understanding the difference goes a long ways, whether you're managing a vendor and you're actually looking at the real numbers and making decisions based off of that. And you're, you're removing the emotions from it. And also the same thing with team members. You know, if you're just relying on your leadership and your uh, relationship and your emotions in order to help somebody get better um, and keep them advancing towards their goals in their career, it's only a piece of it. The other piece is that you need to put things in writing, setting expectations, um, and then showing them what it looks like to win and then continuously coaching them to get better whether that's achieving the KPIs that are going to help them achieve their own personal goals. So much as so many times as a business owner, we make it about earning revenue for the business instead of we make it about helping our team member advance and earn, you know, whatever it is they want to earn and accomplish goals that they want to accomplish. So I like the way that you put that as our business is just a vehicle to help them get there versus they're here to help me get to where I want to go. Right. That's a very selfish mindset. Thank you. Well, and supporting them. So we learned a long time ago, we cannot say that we're all, we have a family environment. We want, we want the guys to be T-ball coaches and Boy Scout leaders and all this stuff. And then say, oh, by the way, but you got to work every weekend overtime and we can't let you off early to go to baseball games or anything like that. So we really have to work hard to marry the expectations of the business and what, what our, our company culture is. And we have learned when we can make happier and more successful husbands, fathers, mothers, daughters, aunts, whatever that looks like, when they're happier 
at work and happier at home, it tends to make an overall better work environment. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest, like now I can easily identify who's going to fit with our culture and who isn't. Some people just mm -hmm. need the exposure to positivity, right? So yeah. some people just need that exposure and then they kind of come out of that funk. But some people, when you interview them, the negativity literally radiates off of them or, mm. or the, you know, whatever negative things you're used to, you know, the, it just radiates from them and you're like, they're just not going to be a good fit. And it, they're cancerous um, to the organization. And honestly, you have to work really hard on keeping people. We can't make everybody happy, but mm. we have four events a year. We do a company, uh, a daddy-daughter dinner that we just got done with, or it's coming up actually in February. Um, and we do a mother-son movie night. We do a company party at the beginning, at the springtime. We do it at the end of summer. We do a big Christmas party. We do giveaways. We do party. Because you know why? I've got to win my team. They've got to enjoy working here. <clears throat> at the end of every summer, I take every spouse and we give them a $50 gift card and we take them to downtown area and mm -hmm. they shop and we feed them and we just dote on the spouses of our team members. Uh, the men, they get $50. We have Academy Sports and Outdoors here. They yeah. get $50 to Academy and a handwritten note from Trey. And we have to start doing those two months in advance because that's a lot to write. Oh, but yeah. to think about, Thank you. My husband's name is Ray. Thank you, Ray, for supporting Crystal throughout these summer months. Um, it means a lot to us that she's always able to jump in and help when we need to. We know this is sacrificial at times. I mean, and do you know, we get so much response from those handwritten notes and mm -hmm. from just loving on our wives and our husbands and, and just encouraging them. Um, and what that's designed to do is when your husband's got to take a um, call during hunting season in Texas, <laughs> and the wife goes, hey, listen, don't forget, you know, you can make good money and you'll be able to hunt this evening, right? Instead yeah. of being like, your job is stupid. Like, you know, we <laughs> want them to kind of, we want them to to kind of be the cheerleader at home for their, for their husband. Listen, a Texas attic is hot, y'all. It's hot. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so they don't want to get up. They're not pumped up to go install every day. So if we can help their wife or our husband be happier and and understand the value of this, of a good job, it, it really helps on the home front. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this podcast has just been so good. I mean, a, a great organization doesn't just happen. You don't just show up and expect all those things to uh, just happen. Really. You have to be very intentional, plan it out and really know who your avatar is and, uh, and what type of events and things can really, really go a long ways with your team and also getting their spouse bought into the company will really help with retention because when they go and get tough, guess who they're going to, to complain to, right? The spouse. So it's a good, good piece. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I, I mean, taking some notes, I got a whole page of notes here of uh, just great advice from you. And um, I really appreciate that. So this podcast is all about, you know, growing men and women leaders in the trades and what Crystal brought here today has been so valuable. I hope you really enjoyed it and just realized that um, there's so many different career paths in the trades. And yeah. uh, and and so that was very inspiring. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a re review because that really helps guide our future conversations. Um, so, Crystal, Absolutely. thank you again.
No, thank you so much. And if anybody wants to, I say all the time, friends, friends and family talk free. So anybody wants to come visit McWilliams and Son location here in East Texas or wants to talk about marketing, I'd be happy to just visit. So um, look forward to talking to anybody. And thank you guys for allowing me to be on here. All right. Thank you. Thank you.